Who are you going to call for your Ghostbusters Afterlight review? Well, we've got you covered. That plus the new Spider-Man trailer and the new episode of Doctor Who. All on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 130 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher. With me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hi, Brian. So we definitely got to start out with that new Spider-Man trailer. Of course, we had talked about on the podcast they were probably going to release it in front of Ghostbusters, and they did. Mm -hmm. But they gave us a little bit of an early peek online, so... Mm -hmm. What did you think? I always was excited about it. And, you know, now even more so now that we're getting the story and they're telling us this is why it's happening. All these villains died fighting their Spider-Man and now they're here. And our Peter Parker is very upset. I, of course, remember back in the day, and I'm sure you remember, is that in our superhero movies of old, the hero would win, but the villain wouldn't make it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... Usually the superhero movie would end with the death of the villain. And it's one of those things you kind of forget because that's changed a little bit. I mean, we still have villain deaths at the ends of movies, but that... But we uh, have to keep our heroes clean. Yeah. heroes can't kill them. Someone else has to kill them. Right. And so we have gotten to a point now where the villain doesn't always have to die at the end, which I like that. Mm -hmm. But it is sort of a throwback to that older way of the superhero movie. And because of that, of course, Mm -hmm. now that puts Peter Parker, basically gives him a conundrum, which is we need to send them back, but they're all going to die if I do this. Doesn't that make me a murderer? And of course, the realization that it was Spider-Man, even though not him specifically, but it was Spider-Man that killed them. Mm Mm-hmm. And so this gives him a real moral dilemma that mm-hmm. he's going to have to deal with. And that's interesting to me. Now you have more stakes. It's not just, well, we've got to save the world and we've got to close up these gaps and we have to keep these other universes from pouring in. But it's also, how do you do all that and do the right thing? Again, you have that moment that you saw a little bit of it in the first series of Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, this idea that you want to try to save everybody, but you can't. Mm-hmm. And revisiting that theme in this new Spider-Man movie is going to be, for me, fascinating to do. There were some things in the trailer that I noticed, and I've noticed that some other people online noticed them as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the big thing, of course, is Mary Jane, that scene where uh-huh. she was falling off of the scaffolding, and it looks an awful lot like yes. Emma Stone falling. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to point this out because it was something that I noticed, and it was rather funny that I noticed how other people were kind of noticing this as well. It went over a bunch of people's heads, but that one scene where you have Spider-Man fighting three different villains... Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, Electro's going for Spider-Man, but it seems like the other two seem to be ignoring him for some reason. They're moving forward, but they're not moving toward him. They're just moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing about Marvel, and you know this as well as I do. Very often when they post scenes from Mm -hmm. the movie... They change it. They change things around Mm -hmm. a little bit. Have extra people walking across the screen, have fewer people walking across the screen. Yeah, and, and I thought, you know... This looks like these are three villains fighting three heroes. We just don't see two of them right now. (laughs) And Uh 
they did, didn't they? They deleted those other two Spider-Man. Is that that's what they did, didn't they? <laughs> Either that or two other people. But I'm just mm-hmm. going to assume it makes a lot of sense that maybe there are a couple of Spider-Men that were in that scene that had been scrubbed. Mm-hmm. What confirmed that for me? That scene in the Brazilian version of the trailer went on for about a half second longer than <laughs> ours, and you see a point where Lizard is getting punched by something invisible. Hmm. His head whips back. Mm-hmm. He just got hit by something. We can't see that something. Okay. So there was obviously something there that had gotten completely wiped out of that scene. Okay. So, so obviously this was a little bit of tricky editing to <laughs> obfuscate what mm-hmm. was actually going on in that scene. I do find it interesting. Everybody in the world was saying, well, this trailer, we're going to have to see Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. And they made you think that you were going to, like, every other second. Oh, there he is. No, no, no. Wait, here he is. Oh, no, no. Oh, is that? No, it's not him. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. They teased the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they didn't drop that little (laughs) bit of knowledge. And I don't know at this point if we're going to get any more trailers after this one. This may be the last one because we're getting close to December. They have time to drop another trailer if they want to. But I don't know if they're going to. Well, they didn't say final trailer. They did. They usually do. So maybe. That's true. Maybe. Maybe, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they're going to uh, give us a taste of something. Mm -hmm. I guess we will find out when it comes out. I mean, obviously, I'm excited to see this, and I'm glad that they've given us this trailer, and they've certainly given us a lot to think about. One of the things that I noticed in the trailer is we've got two different versions of the Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. There were two different costumes, Mm -hmm. and so we may see different versions of these villains. So you don't think a Harry and a Norman? Possibly. Okay. But uh, as of right now, they've given us a lot to think about. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can never forget the mid-credit, post-credit from Carnage. Oh, yes. Because we got that to consider. Is that something we need to be looking for as well? Do we need to revisit that trailer and be looking a little closer? (laughs) Very possibly. I know that Tom Holland's been doing interviews, and I've tried to avoid those interviews as much as possible for obvious reasons. Tom's a great guy. Sometimes he's a little bit spoilery. But he has been talking a lot about how this is going to be a darker one, and he's actually Mm. called this movie the end of this franchise. Oh. I don't know if that means that he's not going to be playing Spider-Man anymore, but this might be the end of this trilogy, so that where he started from and where he's going to end up, this is going to be a complete unit, and that any Spider-Man movies from that point on are going to be different in some way. Mm-hmm whether he's playing Spider-Man or not. And he has said that he doesn't want to play Spider-Man forever and that he would like to see an actor take over the role as Miles Morales. Now, when that's going to happen, I don't know. I've already given my theory that it was supposed to happen in this movie. It may. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As far as I can tell, he's being uncharacteristically tight-lipped and not very spoilery. <laughs> I've been told because mm-hmm. I haven't been risking it. But... <laughs> There's a lot to ponder, and December can't come quickly enough, for mm-hmm. sure. But while I've been waiting, last night I went to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, yay! So, I have things to say. Mm-hmm. None of them spoilery. Mm-hmm. This is definitely not the kind of movie that you would want spoilers for. There are some okay. things in this movie. There's a lot of things in this movie that you don't want spoiled, and I would not be the person to do that. So, I'm going to give some general thoughts about this movie. One thing that you've probably noticed if you read any of the reviews is that they're kind of mixed people's reactions to it. No, I haven't yeah, read um, any of them. I went on uh, Rotten Tomatoes because I was curious mm-hmm. about what other people had to say about the film. 
the audience, for the most part, they seem to really enjoy the film. There have been some critics that have been critical, <laughs> surprised about the film and saying that it's not Ghostbusters. He says it doesn't feel like a Ghostbusters movie. Huh. And to a degree, I would say that I do agree with that assessment. It doesn't feel like it's a complete throwback to the 1984 film. Okay. It's something that's a bit different. This is the way that I would explain it. Ghostbusters Afterlife is like going to your high school reunion. Mm-hmm. You get to see people that you saw in high school. You get to talk about the old times. You get to reconnect with people, and it's great. But it doesn't feel like you're back in high school. Okay. You're different people. You've got lives that you've developed. You've grown up a little bit. You don't have the same social dynamic as you did when you were a kid in high school. So it's not going to be the same, and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Afterlife, it's like that high school reunion. Because of that, it's not the nonstop comedy that was in the original. And I know a lot of people have called Ghostbusters the original 1994 film, Lightning in a Bottle, mm-hmm. that it was one of those movies that, you know, was a once-in-a-lifetime. Everything worked on it. Everything was just great about this film. For me, it was the first film that I ever watched in a theater more than once, mm-hmm. which is saying something, especially around that time, because around 1984 was when I was uh, deep in the heart of my fundamentalist Baptist phase. Ooh, uh-huh. So the fact that I was in a movie theater at all yeah, was a uh-huh. surprise because fundamentalist Baptists, you don't go see movies. Yeah, especially one with demons and yeah. ghosts. And... Yeah, you don't listen to popular music. Mm-hmm. The theme song was all over the radio. <laughs> the fact that I went to see that movie in the first place was forgive me for the blasphemy. It was a miracle (laughs) that I went to see it, but I also went to see it multiple times. Mm -hmm. I love that film. It's one of those films, yeah, it would be very difficult to reproduce. In Mm -hmm. fact, they tried to with Ghostbusters 2 and didn't quite hit the mark. Mm -hmm. It was pretty obvious that the original Ghostbusters, it was a masterpiece, and it was also the perfect blunt instrument for people who wanted to beat the crap out of Ghostbusters 2016 oh, until it coughed up? Yeah, mm-hmm. until it coughed up blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original Ghostbusters was a solid, really, really good movie, and it would have been very difficult to reproduce. And so, Ghostbusters Afterlife doesn't really try to do that. It's not trying to be Ghostbusters. It has a lot of the elements in Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't go as far as to say it's a soft reboot, although it does deal with many of the things that were in the original Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. but very much like the high school reunion, there are some people that don't show up for them, mm-hmm. uh, and there are some people who, of course, have passed away in the meantime, right. and you don't see them. Because of that, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be a complete carbon copy. But I think there's the world was wanting Rick Moranis. We miss him. We love him. We're so happy that you spent time with your family, but we want you back. We miss you. At least for a minute, make mm-hmm. a cameo. This is one thing I'm going to say about this film and why, like I said, I can see why some people might not like it because it's not Ghostbusters 84. But I do admire what they did with it. Because they were able to take some new elements to it and give us something that was a little bit different. But the one big thing that they did that I really admired and really liked, and I can see where some people might not like this still, and I can't really say what it is, because this would be a major, major spoiler. Okay. But they do something a little bit in the first act and toward the end of the last act, act three, that... I wouldn't have had the guts to do if I wrote that screenplay, but they did. And 
this thing could have gone wrong in a number of ways. And if it had gone wrong, it would have completely ruined this movie. That's mm-hmm. why I would have been worried to even do it. Mm-hmm. It would have pissed people off. Ooh, uh. I mean, it would have been to the degree that I can tell you, me personally, if they had fumbled this thing, <laughs> I would have rage quit the movie. Well, uh. That far. I, people would have been offended by it. Hmm. It's that big of a deal. But they made it work. And the fact they were willing to take the risk on something like this, and there were so many ways this could have gone wrong, and the fact that I think that there probably are going to be a handful of people that are still not going to like this. (laughs) They're going to think that this was absolutely uncalled for and it should have never been done. Oh my gosh, did they kill a dog? I can't even begin to tell you what they did. Because this is the thing you can't ever do in Hollywood. You can never kill a dog. Well, this is a major deal. And the fact that they were able to pull it off, and it's wonderful. Hmm. I'm glad they did it. Mm-hmm. But you had to do it flawlessly. You had to stick the landing. Oh, I'm getting and excited would... for Tuesday when I go see it. Yeah, because <laughs> I want you to experience this on your own. Okay. I want you to see this with fresh eyes. So I would say, if you can avoid the internet, <laughs> anything that says anything about Ghostbusters, because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, they're going to talk about it. So <laughs> I know it's a long mm-hmm. road. Oh, my personal view on this is I think, yes, definitely go and see this. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is the kind of movie that you're not going to just go in if you've never seen Ghostbusters. And a lot of people have said, and many times I've agreed in certain cases, that a movie should stand completely on its own. Mm -hmm. If you have to watch the stuff previously for it to work, that's a failure of the screenplay. And I will tell you, Ghostbusters Afterlife, if you haven't seen the original movie, there's no point in seeing this one. It really does depend on and plays on the fact that you have that frame of reference of the original movie. There's some stuff that plays big if you've seen the original movie, but if you haven't, Mm -hmm. and by this time I figure who hasn't, but there's stuff that's not going to mean that much. Okay. If it's been a while since you've seen it, you know, it ain't going to hurt to revisit it. So uh, do we need to watch the real Ghostbusters? I don't think so. Okay. I think you can get away with just watching Ghostbusters, <laughs> but it wouldn't hurt. Are uh, there some fun references to the animated the, I, I'm trying to remember, because I'm going to go see it again. Mm-hmm. Most of the references are going to come from the original movie. In fact... Okay. I don't know if this is true or not. I didn't really see any indications that this was true, but there have been some people who said that this movie is written as if Ghostbusters 2 never happened. Okay. The big point of reference is the original Ghostbusters. There may be nods to other things in the movie, and I would say Jason Reitman is a big fan of the original Ghostbusters mm-hmm. <laughs> for obvious reasons, for a bunch yeah. of obvious reasons, and wanted to pay an homage. And it is definitely, there's a lot of fan service in it, which can be good or bad, depending on how well it's pulled off. But this is certainly a fan service kind of movie. It's definitely for the people who love the original Ghostbusters. It gives you, I would say, not just a warm bit of nostalgia, But it also adds to the story and gives us some different stuff. I mean, the young actors in this movie were amazing, Uh, especially the young actress who plays Phoebe, the young girl with the glasses, Mm -hmm. who looks a little bit like somebody we might already know from the original Ghostbusters movie. Mm -hmm. and who's very awkward and doesn't get along with people and through the advice of her older brother decides to start telling jokes (laughs) and they are the best dad jokes you ever heard in your life oh great (laughs) Uh, the problem with that is that if you laugh at any of those jokes you run the risk of being judged heavily by everyone else in the movie theater (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I love dad jokes, and they were so bad they were good. <laughs> and I am going to say one more thing before we uh, put the cap on this. Stay for the credits. Okay. We live in the 21st century. The fact that I was sitting alone in a movie theater when the credits started to roll is ridiculous. Do you <laughs> not understand that everybody now has after credit scenes? Uh-huh. I didn't know if there were after credit scenes, but I always stay because mm-hmm. there could be. And we got two of them. Ooh, okay. If you're a fan of the original Ghostbusters, you're going to love this movie. It certainly plays off enough of those aspects that I did get that warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling. Aww. But it also gives you a little bit of something new. And I like what they did with it. And it seems like a lot of audiences did. Some of the critics... Maybe not so much, but, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you just have to ignore the critics and go and experience something for yourself. And I think this is a really good example of when that's a good thing to do. So mm-hmm. my recommendation, definitely go see it. It's awesome. And I cannot wait to talk to you about this okay. once you've seen it. So, Excellent. But let's talk about Doctor Who. So, episode three happened. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Where do we start? <laughs> so, did you get your threat level that you wanted? Oh, from the bad guys? Okay. Oh, no. No, no I didn't. Oh, no. Okay. Now, I'm going to have to preface this. For the sake of comedy, I may over-exaggerate my frustrations with a few things. <laughs> uh, for the fun of it, this is not going to be a rage session. But there were a lot of things about episode three that I wasn't the biggest fan of. But I'm just going to do a breakdown specifically of some general things about the episode that I feel like I'm starting to now worry about this series. Because obviously when you're telling any kind of a story, you want your viewers to be asking questions, to be wondering what's going on. And the question I had by the end of this episode was, where are you going with this? What is the plan? For example, I will say that even though episode one was really heavy with pouring on characters and plot points, I gave it a pass because I knew that you got six episodes. If you get all that stuff out of the way, then you don't have to worry about that anymore. But in episode three, you get three new characters Ooh. and four new plot threads. Okay. You're now making this more convoluted than ever. You haven't really gotten any good answers about what's been going on, except that apparently this is all the doctor's fault. Well, the flux has already happened, and apparently the doctor's been told there's nothing you can do about it, don't even bother. This was your fault anyway. We've also seen that all the doctor really cares about is finding out about her past. It's very clear now that this is the main point of this entire series. And the doctor has pretty much said, we're not doing anything else with this show until we deal with this situation to my satisfaction. Okay. She needs her origin. (laughs) She needs her origin story. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't care about anything else. Even her own safety and her own life. Nothing matters more than figuring this out. At this point, what we know about what's going on, if we could boil everything down, is that we have an organization with questionable morals that has been appointed, and it seems very likely that they've appointed themselves, as the guardians of time and reality. We also have these other people outside this organization, the Division, who also have questionable morals that are trying to take this organization down. And the fabric of reality itself is at risk. Does this not sound like Season 1 of Loki? (laughs) Oh, 
Yeah. Uh-huh. And that's what makes this even more frustrating for me because, yeah. yeah, why did Loki season one do this so well? And it doesn't seem like Doctor Who is doing so well. It's because, first of all, you didn't have all the plot threads in Loki. You had a few, mm-hmm. but not a lot of them. And you weren't introducing brand new characters constantly through the series. When you introduce somebody, it was for a reason, and you didn't have this huge backstory that you had to give them. They did their role, and they didn't stick around if you didn't need them to. But there was a through line that was very focused, and you understood what was going on from first to last. And I don't really feel like we're getting that in Doctor Who, because they seem to be going all over the place. Not to say that you need to answer a viewer or a reader's questions right off the bat. In fact... You want to hold off answering those questions as long as you can. That's where profluence comes from. Making people wait to get their answers, which keeps them watching the TV, Mm -hmm. watching the movie, turning the pages in the book. Mm -hmm. Make somebody ask a question. You make them want to know the answer, and then you make them wait. That is the game. So why does that not work in Doctor Who? Well, I think the main reason for it and why it works so well in Loki and is not working so well in Doctor Who right now is I think it is the core of how the game is played, the one quality that a writer, that a performer needs to have with their audience, and that's trust. Trust is what allows a writer, a performer, to keep the viewer or the reader on the hook. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen, but we trust that they're going to let us know, and it's going to be satisfying, and it's not going to be a waste of our time. So we go on the ride. We make ourselves, in a real sense, vulnerable. Trust is everything. And if you have violated that trust, there's no relationship. And I think at this point, with Chris Chibnall and what he's done with the series so far, I feel, me personally, and I think a lot of other people also feel that there's no promise, no guarantee that all of this is going to be satisfied in a wonderful, enjoyable way. I'm going to continue to watch the show, But if somebody decided at this point they were going to just bail on it, I certainly understand it. Mm -hmm. I wonder if actually me watching the show from this point on for this season is more of a duty than that I'm enjoying (laughs) it. Mm -hmm. The only question I'm asking right now is where are they going to go with this? Mm -hmm. It seems like this season, season 13, that Chris Chibnall's doubling down on a lot of the stuff that that I'm afraid that Russell T. Davies is going to have to retcon in some way Mm, and mm -hmm. fix. I think people are not convinced that he's going to be able to stick the landing with this series. I don't see how all of these things are going to come together in the end and tell one coherent story. To be honest, I don't think it's going to. Now, if they do, I'll be the first one to say, well... They did it. They did it. Okay. I'm not expecting a lot, and I feel like I should, especially in a show that I like so much. But I don't. But we'll keep talking about it. We've got three more episodes to go. But next week, we get Hawkeye. Oh, wow. That was That's closer than I thought. I, I don't know why I was thinking we were going into December before we got Hawkeye. No. That's exciting. So we, you know, so maybe, hopefully there'll be something good to talk about. And heck, yes. maybe when Sunday rolls around and we get Doctor Who, they will have turned this around and it'll be better. And if they do, I'll be the first to praise them for it. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. We shall see. And with that said, we come to the end of episode 130. Thank you for listening and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, 
We're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>